Hello and welcome to The Unmissables. It's a weekly podcast about pop culture, but mainly television, a little bit of film and other stuff. My name is Boyd Hilton. I'm joined by my glorious colleague, Kay Ribeiro. Hello. And normally we've been joined by our glorious colleague, Steph Seeland, who's been here with us for our previous 27 podcasts, but she's not available this week, Kay. Yeah, she's having a break. She's having a break, but instead we've got our glorious, legendary guru... Producer, editor, teacher, friend, podcast expert, John Harris, who until now has been silent. Like Maris, you know in Frasier, Niles' wife Maris, you never hear from her or see her. She's just this presence. And I kind of thought maybe John will be that person forever. That enigmatic figure. We just talk about him, you Mm. never actually hear from him, but he's here. Hi, John. He speaks. Hello. (laughs) Hi. How do you feel about having to join in? Very anxious. Are you? I know, I can tell you're tense. I'm quite, yeah, and I don't want to... I don't want to get into a fight with Boyd, but at the same time, if I'm taking the role of Steph, I should you probably get into yeah. a fight oh, with fair. Boyd. And you've got to have some kind of irrational dislike of someone. Oh, don't worry, that'll, that'll come. <laughs> Feel free to get into a fight at any point. <laughs> yeah, I'm here to split you up. Um, you have your other podcast, don't you, John? What's your other podcast that you're doing at the moment? Thanks, Boyd. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I do a weekly podcast uh, called The Dream Factory, which uh, we rather arrogantly, as as you have done calling yours the great, I think you call it the best pop culture podcast. Yeah. We call it the uh, the world's greatest user-generated movie creation podcast, Ooh. which is such a niche topic that yeah. I actually think we could confidently say that we are the greatest. Yeah. Uh, and so listeners come up with silly movie ideas, mostly based on puns, and we riff. Is it and a it, weekly thing? Weekly. Mm. And it is very funny, Kay, as a listener... You've, it's oh, a hilarious, you're a subscriber. It's a, oh, yeah, it's a hilarious weekly listen. Yeah. I too am a subscriber. Thanks, I've guys. yet Good. to listen, but I am a subscriber. Oh, let's listen. That's good that you're honest, though. Yeah, I'm always honest. at all times. Listen, Best. that's what you get on this podcast. Absolutely. So this week, we are looking at the new Jack Whitehall comedy adventure thriller drama, Bounty Hunters, which is coming up on Sky One next week. Uh, Gunpowder is the new historical drama about the gunpowder plot co-created by and starring Kit Harrington, And we're going to hear from him as well because I interviewed him, Kay. With his actual voice we're going to hear. Yes. I interviewed him on the day before it was announced that he was engaged to be married. Oh, my God. Yeah. Did you know? No. Did you ask? So you didn't? Oh, you didn't? No, he mentioned my girlfriend, you know. Oh, he was playing yeah, it cool and he was probably, cool. he'd already put a ring on it. Yeah. So that's exciting. And the end of the effing world. Now... This is the actual title of this series, John. It's <laughs> the official title from Channel 4 has three asterisks in the UCK bit of that word, of the F word. What's your feeling about that? I feel really good about it. Do you? Thanks, Boyd. Yeah. Um, are we going to say the swear word? Well, that's what I was thinking. I haven't really come to terms with it. So, I've, so far, I've said the end of the effing world. And I think, but we can swear, can't we? Obviously, we just have to put the little, um, you know, S for swearing logo. But I think if they've asterisked it out, maybe we should respect that. Uh, maybe. If, the, if Channel 4 have done that. Perhaps. But what it is, is it's a eight part, I think, um, kind of drama, thriller, teen thing mm. that they're showing on Channel 4 initially, episode one. It's all going to be on all four, their streaming online hub, all in one go, like a box set thing. Oh, which Netflix is the first time binge Netflix situation. star, which is the first time they've ever done that for a homegrown drama. Mm, mm. Interesting. How interesting. Yeah, yeah, I find I that think interesting. It is interesting. And you know, I don't like to binge, but. No. And we've also got the opening section of the podcast where we talk about what the hell we've been looking at, reading, who you've been meeting, listening to. I mean, in my case, <laughs> it's a series of name drops. But Shameless. Maybe that will be the case for you too as well. I don't know. Kay, what have you been listening to, watching, meeting, doing? 
Okay, first of all, I just want to give you some exciting news. Well, it's exciting my world, right? Because it just broke before I came in here. If you're excited, I'm excited. Thank you, boy, for support. Supermarket Sweep is officially coming back. Oh, my God, boy's just choked on his tea. He's choked on his tea. Is that exciting? killed him. Yeah, I know. He... Everyone's excited. First of all, I'm not sure this kind of... T- I mean, I am excited with this kind of... T- this is TV news. This is a new format point. This is a yeah, new... Well, yeah, well, I just couldn't keep it in. Okay, I fair just couldn't. Enough. I know, like, John... We haven't cleared this with John, no. our producer. I don't know how he feels about this. But knowing every podcast I mention, I would like it to be brought back. Pretty much, if you listen back, regular listeners will know. I'm a big fan of Supermarket Sweep, and I've always wanted to come back. And now, Fremantle have signed up the rights to it. Do you think they've been listening to the podcast? Is that have they? I think that's that? exactly that's, why it's happening. Do they yeah. mention it in the press release? Yeah, thanks to Kay for all your support. You need to go on as a guest. I would love that because I've already got the. Te- I told you before, right? Those <laughs> stupid people who go on and they're like, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna l-. no." They are stupid because they go around the different, you know, the aisles and they look at these small little items. You need to go for high value items: nappies, alcohol, meat, electrical. That goods. sound you hear is Kay punching <laughs> her own hand. <laughs> To emphasise the point. <laughs> because I feel very strongly about this. And is it still being hosted by... Um, well, Dale Winton. Dale Winton. I cannot confirm. I oh, don't know. I haven't said that. No. Oh. I don't know. But what else is he doing other Bloody than Panto? Hopes. Steady. Bloody hope so. Do you know my Dale Winton story, John, is always that um, I interviewed him a few years ago and I said to him, what would be your like, dream project? What's the one thing you've always wanted to do? You know, on television or whatever. And you know what he said it was? <laughs> was. I've got you told. I've no. loved, uh, he wanted to do a, his own personal history of rap music. <laughs> Whoa. Yes. What? In which, uh, or like a rap journey where he tours around America meeting his favourite rap musicians. He's obsessed with rap. No and, way. And he, he was not joking. And he t- proceeded why to. Is, why, is, why is someone not giving him that show? I don't know. I, the would, time I would I was watch like, that. Yeah. Hip hop history with yeah. Dale. Yeah, hip hop exactly. Yeah, he would. He was yeah. being he deadly could, serious. He could have joined Chris and Kem yeah. on their musical journey. <laughs> well, straight I mean, out of Love Island. No, I think we're talking proper rap. I don't think I don't think Dale will be at home to Chris and Kem. They're all as equally oranges one another, so that would. Yeah, exactly. Oh, oh that's, that's a good point. Oh, yeah. That's a good technical point. Orange is the only colour. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and what else have you been? That was news. Oh, yeah. That was TV news. You haven't even been watching that. No, no, no. Come on. Okay. Well, actually. It's a listen for me. I've done a bit oh. of listening. Yes. What? Unfortunately, not to John's podcast. I will, though, <laughs> as everyone should. But now, words that I've never said to you on this podcast. Radio 4, book at bedtime. Bedtime book. Whoa. Yes. Now, I'm a big Adrian Mole fan, Sue Townsend fan, and The Secret Diary of Adrian Mole, aged 13 and three quarters, has been the book at bedtime. So I would recommend anyone who what? loves Sue Townsend. Is that the original? The original Adrian Mole book? Yeah. Oh, okay. Because so yeah, yeah. there's loads of sequels and stuff, aren't there? No, no, it's the, yeah. So the, what, they read out half an hour an evening or something? No, no, it's like 13 minutes seg- uh, portions, and there's 10 of them, 10 episodes. And it's like, yeah, it's the book. Wow. Oh. Do you think that's great? That's really good. Yeah, who reads it? I'm testing you now. You, Ooh, you, oh, yeah. no, sorry. And I was going to write that down, I thought, that, boy, no. can't go into that. <laughs> no, he's taking a real Apologies. deep dive into this situation. <laughs> real deep dive. I mean, just basically... Um, who read it? Yeah, but no, it's fine. Someone it wasn't anyone voice. that I recognised the name of. And I have to fine. say, I, you know, did you ever watch the TV series? Of course. Stephen Mangan. Yes, yes, exactly. But it wasn't as good as, like, the voice on, you know, for the oh, Adrian okay. Mole. It wasn't okay. as, as... So they had one thing to do, which is read it, and not even, it's not even that good. No, <laughs> it <laughs> is. But it's just like, if, you, no, if you're nostalgic for okay, the original. No, yeah, oh, I don't enough. hate Sorry. on Adrian Mole. I'm not um, Also made me Google then the TV series, and I forgot that Chris Gascoigne was in it from, um, you know, Peter Barlow from Coronation Street. Oh. was an Adrian Mole. Oh. Did you know that? No. It's an interesting fact for you. Okay, very quickly, the second thing I've been listening to is the Adam Buxton podcast with Louis Theroux on it. I think it's episode 49. And on it, he talks about his, um, his documentary, you know, the US one that we just... Yes. 
previewed where he looks at the crime situation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, they do a lot of impressions also. If anyone listens to S Town, they do a lot of impressions of John B. McLemore. And it was just, it was amazing. Oh, that, yeah, that's a great I didn't realise Louis Theroux was so good at um, doing impressions. That is, that is extraordinary, yeah. I mean, that is one of the classic podcasts, though, isn't it, John? As a podcast expert. Absolutely. Um, not to hijack your point, but uh, <laughs> this week uh, they had uh, Reese Shearsmith and Steve Pemberton from the League of uh, Gentlemen. Wow. I haven't listened to that one. Is that the new one, isn't it? Yeah, so oh, um, it was live exciting. from the London Podcast Festival. It's very good. Oh, listen. really? Very funny. And he's got Johnny Marr as well. Yes. Really yeah, good guest. I mean, a really good guest. Okay. Yeah. I mean, we've got Kit Harrington. Let's make yeah, that exactly. Clear. No, we're doing yeah. some like pod cross po- promo there. Yeah. Cod post promo. <laughs> Easy for you to say. Um, that's lovely. Anything else, Kate? No, that's it. Just that's listening. Good. Very You've, listening. And, all you know. of those are very exciting. While we were talking about this bit of the podcast, where we talk, I wanted to mention on, on Twitter, tradition, tradition, T-R-A-G-I-C-I-A-N, mm. or slash at Little Emsley with four oh, yeah, E's, yeah. tweeted us today, John. Do you know about this? To say, just wanted to thank Boyd Hilton, Kerry Bear and Steph Seeland for your recommendation of a long shot, which was that documentary on the Netflix, which we talked oh. which in fact, Steph mainly brought up last week in the opening, what have you been watching section of the show, John? So thank you very much for getting back to us, Little Emsley slash tradition. I love how you keep on trying to reel John in and he's reluctant to um, sp- say anything. Well, you're right. No, he's not to seem that he's, reluctant. Because he's used to, like, not speak. John speaking, for me, is as exciting as Kate Moss speaking publicly. You know Kate Moss doesn't yeah. usually like to yeah, do it. True. And in the George Michael documentary, she did. Yeah. And I was thrilled. Yeah. John having to speak now on the podcast. Well, he's going to really have to speak now because he's going to have to tell us what he's been watching, <laughs> well, listening been to, watching doing John. this week, John. American Vandal. Oh, Ooh. yes. I'm with you. Netflix documentary, uh, mocking the kind of uh, serial, the jinx, uh, making a murderer style, uh, episodic documentaries talking one subject. However, this is about finding a vandal who drew 27 penises on 27 (laughs) cars in spray paint. And when I saw the trailer, I thought, I wasn't sure because I love those style of documentaries. And I thought, I don't really want to watch something taking the mick out of it. However, the way they get you in is you think it's a comedy but it just turns out to be just a gripping TV show. So it's a mockumentary, is it? Yeah, so it's a mockumentary, but it's actually just like a really great whodunit. Have you watched the whole thing? Yes. Oh, you see, I'm in the middle of it. Yeah, Ah. it is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, I'm very glad you mentioned it because I'm in the middle of, I'm on the episode where they start talking about the drawings of the penises, whether they're (laughs) hairy balls or not hairy balls, which is a crucial plot point, Kate. Really? Yeah, it is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, you're, you're, you're right. Because it takes it... Even though it's really funny, isn't it? It's yeah. like dealing with the the mystery is who drew the cock and balls on all these cars. <laughs> I don't know why you get so giggly about this. Because it's, it's it's forensically analyses yeah. every single element of all the all the perpetrators, all the possible suspects. It is absolutely like it's brilliant. a real crime. Yeah. So um, there's one character who they're not sure whether he's telling the truth or not, and they go back to a claim that he got a hand job at camp <laughs> from the hottest girl in the year, and they find out whether he's telling the truth about that or not. What? To see whether he's a liar or not. And so it's like using that kind of, you know, that they yeah, would yeah. in genuine, but obviously with ridiculous, like high school gossip. And is this, sorry, is this set in the UK or America? It's uh, set no, in the States. All oh, right. Yeah, and the right. characters are really believable. They like. are, yeah. So the lead character is this, you know, absolute, as Boyd would say, doofus. <laughs> but you really, he's, you find him really engaging. It's very clever, like, isn't it? Yeah, because you don't, cause, and it sets up, all the characters are set up so... Like you think you know what they are, and they're quite a bit one-dimensional, and then they turn out to have hidden depths, and you're like, "Oh, I've prejudged oh. them." It's all about judging people, which kind of was what making a murderer yeah, itself yeah, was yeah. about. Yeah. How many episodes is it? 
Um, oh, I'm not sure. Off okay. The top of my head. You're making me inch closer treat. to signing up for Netflix. Oh, you've got to sign yeah. up for Netflix. Okay, still holding out on Netflix. <laughs> yeah, but John, it, oh, every week getting closer. <laughs> yeah, that is a brilliant show. Anything else? I've got a listen, which, uh, as uh, as you say, podcast man, mm. um, I could go on all day, but I'll pick one specific one, which is called uh, Dirty John. Oh, yeah. Not about me. <laughs> what is uh, this? And it's in the kind of vein of the ones that we're just saying American Vandal is mocking. Um, it's only six episodes, I believe. And it follows a an absolute wrong and let's say, this guy, Dirty John. And oh, is it, he a perv? No, 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 no. Um, he just... He just Fiddles with himself. <laughs> I love the way you're guessing what's wrong with him. And, you're like, and John is like trying to describe it. Suddenly you're just... Any other guesses as to what's wrong with him? I was going to say they're really bad. I'm not going to say Okay. It, right? uh, serial, he's a serial womanizer and he takes advantage of women. Okay. And a lot of the time with these kind of things, I'd say, for instance, with serial, when it gets to the end of the series, because there isn't a real finish... The story hasn't finished, you know. Yeah, documentaries yeah. often one of the, their biggest problems is they don't have a third act like a film would have, where everything mm. gets wrapped up. This one oh. crescendos and oh, climaxes, nice. and it is brilliant. Totally yeah, that is like listen. the new S turn, isn't it? Because yeah. like, I see it's number one in the, yeah. in, the in the pod chart. Oh, yeah. high production values. It's made by um, the LA Times. Really, honestly, brilliant. Listen, oh, cool. as oh, high as our production values, John? almost, okay. almost as high. <laughs> Nothing gets higher than this. Yeah, exactly. Um, and just really quickly, I watched both episodes of Time Wasters that have been oh. out. I thought it was absolutely brilliant because, and I totally wouldn't have watched it if it wasn't for your guys' oh. recommendations. I thought yes, it was brilliant. John. Heartwarming, heartwarming. Oh, isn't it great? It's so nice to see really good, isn't it? a yeah. new comedy with fresh, like fresh faces yeah. that's just yeah. brilliant. And it's, very, and it's not what you expect as well. I think I thought the second episode, which is the one where, if you watched, did you watch the second episode? I where he got kind of he joins a cult obsessed oh, yeah, with yeah, yeah, African-American. Yeah. And who's it? Um, Nigel Havers. Uh, Havers is in it. <laughs> Yeah. Which I'll be talking about Havers in a second, in fact. And who's great to see Nigel Havers. And it's just unpredictable. It's not yeah. what you think it's going to be. And I, th- and I think that carries on throughout the whole series. They, d- they deal with topics. and they, The situations Very are good. completely bizarre and funny. Yeah, it's a great show. I'm glad you mentioned that. So I was going to mention Nigel Havers because he came up. Because in my section of what I've been watching, reading, doing, which mm. is basically famous people I've met this week. Yeah. But I have actually been reading a book, which is Michael Whitehall, Jack's dad, yeah. Who we reviewed last week. Oh my week. god, we talk about the White yes. Halls every week. Yeah, so they've got their show together on Netflix at the moment where they mm. travel around Malaysia and all of that place, those places. And we talked about how they listen to the podcast. Yeah. His mum does, at least. Hope she's, um, is she enjoying it? Oh, she seemed very positive, yeah. <gasps> Endorsed by Mrs. Whitehall. My, Mrs. Whitehall. So Michael White has got a book out called Backing Into the Spotlight. <laughs> <laughs> and it's his own book of memoirs, his second book of memoirs. He had one out years ago um, where he talks about – it's basically about his life as an agent because he was a, a showbiz agent. And Nigel Havers is one of his great clients. Oh, my God, really? For years and years and years, yeah. And great friend what, what of the did family. He say the ha- what did he say? There's the loads Havers of lovely life. stuff about the Havers. But oh. the, 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 the kind of peak point in his career as an agent, he, he, he had a gaggle of very posh actors, very posh male actors, all of them a bit like Nigel Havers. <laughs> it's very funny in the book. And there's loads of old showbiz stories about having long lunches with the head of ITV drama and trying to, you know, trying to thrash out a series with Nigel Havers. Yeah, yeah, Nigel yeah. Havers. Um, and there's lovely stuff about how much how proud he is of, of Jack. It's a really great and there's a there's a story about um how um his wife saved someone's life in the local in the oh river. My God. The, they live right near the Thames. Um there's a story about that. And Be honest, where did you do this interview? Bruce? I did this interview at the house. Yes. You're very in, lucky you got invited into the White I was Hall very lucky, yeah. house. And did Which you was get lovely. snacks? Got lovely cakes, oh, beautiful cakes, lovely tea. Um Barnaby was there, their son. 
Um, so it was the whole thing was a joy. I felt I was like being welcomed into the bosom. Yeah, the inner the, sanctum of the Whitehalls, the inner sanctum yeah. exactly. Um, but the book is really funny. That's, what, that's the main thing. It's obviously I'm, as well as showing off about people I've interviewed this week. That interview will be in a future issue of Heat. But the book is really fun. I think it's out next week. Yeah. Um, and he wrote the whole thing by hand. He can't use a computer. Doesn't even use a, a typewriter. I like that. He writes it all out by hand, <laughs> and his lovely wife um, types it all out on the computer and sends it to the publisher. Yeah. God, that must be. God, that must be knackering for her. Yeah. Deciphering the notes. Indeed. And the other thing I was going to mention is that um, I went to see a film called The Shape of... This, I know this is stuff that it should be on now, but I wanted to mention how I went to see... This is me showing off again. The Shape of Water, which is the new Guillermo del Toro film. Okay. Mm. I went to a BAFTA, BAFTA screening of it. He is a genius. Obviously directed Pan's Labyrinth, The Devil's Backbone, Hellboy, uh, Pacific Rim... All of these classics that I know you love, Kay. I love them. Listen, yeah. did you get a plus one in this situation? I didn't get a plus one. Mm. But um, it's a magnificent film. It's one of my, it's, it's up there now in my top five films of the year. Oh, wow. Yeah, hovering around Baby Driver and Dunkirk and those. And it's like a modern day fairy story. Most of his films are kind of like horror slash fantasy fairy stories, fairy tales. Modern, and he's obsessed with modern day fairy stories or old fairy stories as well. And this is a story about um, a woman who falls in love with a creature from like a, a kind of creature from the Black Lagoon type figure, like mm. a kind of amphibian merman type of thing that is considered a monster by and has been kept in a facility by these horrible, nasty people. And she falls in love with it. She works at the facility. She's mute. She doesn't speak. But and she falls in love with it, and it's an incredibly beautiful. Sally Hawkins uh, plays the main the main character who falls in love with this thing, this creature, and it's an incredible film. And the best thing of all was I tweeted about it, how much I loved it, and Guillermo del Toro retweeted me. <gasps> oh my god, yes. Boyd, you made it. Which for me, I know, I mean, you're probably not that impressed. No, I am. <laughs> but am he is a legend. He's one of he the greatest directors of our time, one of a visionary. Okay. And he's great on Twitter. So. He's brilliant on Twitter, yeah. He's very, like, you know, he retweets loads of stuff. Um, Not loads of stuff. He's very discerning. No, I mean, very discerning. Yes, but very he's very, discerning. He's very um, accessible. And, and he was incredible. There's a Q&A with him afterwards, and it was brilliant. Yeah. So well, look out for The Shape of Water, which is coming out. I think it's coming out in a few weeks. Or well, maybe it's not. Even, I, I should have checked. But it's coming out at some point. Soon. It's going to come out soon. Boy, whilst yes, we're... Uh, John. Whilst we're... Uh, this is the closest the I'll fat. ever be to doing a name drop. And it's kind of relevant. Go on. Uh, whilst we're talking about great directors retweeting you, yeah. I got uh, the big retweet from Edgar Wright yesterday. Oh, that's good. Oh, wow. Go. Hold on. What, what, did, you, what did you tweet? Uh, I could have put this in the What Have I Been Listening To. Uh, there's a podcast called Talk House where they just get two very interesting people to interview one another. Yeah. And this week's one was uh, Edgar Wright interviewing Jackie Chan. And oh, so I tweeted about how brilliant, obviously, that is. That's yeah. amazing. And he retweeted it. There you go. That is fantastic. Oh God, I feel good. such a failure this week. I haven't been retweeted by anyone. Don't, don't feel bad, Kay. I mean, you know, we can't all be retweeting and, <laughs> and you know, it's, you're, you're a busy woman. And also, so was that, what's the name of that podcast? Because I've never heard of that podcast. The Talk House Podcast. The Talk, Talk House, House yeah. Podcast. This is extraordinary. I know. And I follow Edgar Wright and I'm pretty much obsessed. So that's you need to get on it. That's big news. That's that's huge news. Um, thank you very much. Is that anything else anyone wants to mention? No, I'm done. Oh yeah. So the book. But I'll just say in case I the back into the spotlight. My, uh, Michael Whitehorse book is out next week. Yes, and um, basically typed up by the lovely the legend. Typed up by the legend that is Hillary Whitehall. Mm. So let's do the main body, the meat of the podcast. This week's television reviews. Start, uh, starting with. I knew that was the reason why I wanted to mention the Whitehalls again. <laughs> Jack's new show. It could be called like the Whitehall Podcast. I know. It? Maybe we need to make we, may, we need to make clear that we're not being like paid no. any money for this. We just really. Lo- you know. Just- 
Oh, are you? Yeah. You lot getting... No. Are the White Horse putting a check into your bank account? Definitely I just not. don't know about this. Maybe, but I was thinking maybe we could start... Because podcasts, like niche podcasts do really well. You know, there are like fan podcasts. We could do yeah. like a White Horse family fan podcast. <gasps> Can we do it from the house and have the um, brilliant snacks? Yeah, and we cakes. could just like focus on different elements of the family each week. Oh my God, I'm honest. Um, they're just kind of daily lives and adventures. It's, it's, it's getting a bit they, weird. No, whereabouts do they live? I don't want to give away their address. Well, no, just... It's near the river. It's near the river. Southwest London. Yeah. That's in my direction. I'm happy to do that. Okay. Let's well, go. we'll float the We'll float the idea. But to be fair, this is legit, honestly, John, because Bounty Hunters is a big new show for Sky One that Jack has written with his best friend, Freddie Cyborn. And you know, the other weird thing is, actually, there's a Netflix, one of his live shows is on Netflix the day before this as well. So if you want, like, it's called <laughs> Two Whitehall Overload. Um, so I can describe what the hell this show is about, but I feel I should pass that task on to one of you two. Who wants to go for it, Kay? I'll do it. Okay, cool. So Jack Whitehall plays um, Barnaby. He's a history of art student at Cambridge. Um, he's actually studying 17th century Flemish textiles. <laughs> and um, he comes home because his dad's had a, a mysterious accident. He's fallen out of a window. So he goes to visit him in the hospital to find out what's going, going on. And basically it leads him to, um, his mum asks him to go back to his dad's antique shop to kind of sort something out and in doing so he kind of runs in with this kind of shady character and somehow unwittingly ends up buying a blood antique which has been has been comes from Syria has been looted by like terrorists essentially and has been sold on the black market he unwittingly buys it obviously then is terrified now in tandem to this his sister who's hilarious comes back from like a gap year of traveling just doing loads of drugs and everything she comes home and um he tells her what's going on and she puts him in touch with this bounty hunter who she's just coincidentally met um, in America called Nina, played by... Rosie Rose Perez. Yes. Legend. The, the legend. And um, yeah, so she puts him in touch with her. She is... Um, Nina is on the run because she has accidentally killed... Um, someone from a Mexican cartel, so it has to leave America because of that reason. And so she comes over to England to help Jack and then uh, a, a comedy caper ensues. A comedy caper ensues yeah. indeed. It's, okay. it's, very, it's very funny. I'm glad you said that because so the, it's, so the interesting thing about this is, John, that this is a, an interesting genre mix, isn't it? Because it's like the thing that, that him, that Jack Whitehall and Freddie um, Cyborn wrote together first was Bad Education, which is a very broad, fun, over-the-top, comedy on BBC Three about life at school and mm. Jack's character was this doofus, ridiculous doofus who was kind of very naughty and over the top. In this, in, in massive contrast, he's playing quite a... He's, playing, he's very posh, but that's about the only thing in common with the characters he normally plays. He's almost yeah. like very much underplaying him. He's a kind of quite quiet, studious, as you nerdy, said, kind of nerdy. Yeah, awkward. Yeah, sm clever yeah. academically. but no Socially awkward. Yeah, but social, no street kind of smarts, whereas mm. Rosie Perez's character is the street smart one, the tough um, bounty hunter woman. And the uh, the comedy is quite, there's kind of, there's slapstick. There's funny stuff, isn't there, about the car, the G-Wiz car, <laughs> which is this tiny little thing. In, the, in one of his opening scenes, he's, trying to, he's parking it yeah. in between the kind of sideways, in between two cars. Parks. I don't know why that cracked me up so much. It was much. so funny, yeah. In episode two, there's a car chase involving the G-Wiz, <laughs> yeah. which is really funny. Um, Exciting. Yeah, exactly, no. Yeah. It was really funny. It was really like funny. That. But there's also proper, like, thriller stuff. So in the opening scene of episode one, there's this bloke getting his brains blown out. Yeah. What did you think, John? Um, well, weirdly, um, I could draw a parallel with um, what I was talking about earlier, American Vandal, insofar as you kind of go in for a comedy, but you stay because you really want to know what keeps happening. You want to know yeah. the continuing plot. It's not just about... You know, if 
you know, there, there are definitely laughs to be had, but there's also, you know, you, you called it, uh, I think, an adventure caper. And I'd say <laughs> I really enjoyed the adventure caper elements of it, arguably more so than the oh, comedy stuff. Not to not oh. to be disparaging towards the laughs. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I think Kay was kind of hinting at it. Charity Wakefield, who plays the sister. Yeah. Yes. Really funny. Really. Very She's so good. Yeah. And the dynamic between the two, like the script is very funny, but the, the chemistry between them, yeah. it's just like, because she's like a kind of bohemian, druggy, drug-taking, yeah. freewheeling pi- woman. She takes piss out of him all the time, yeah. makes him feel awkward. Um, I don't know, that really, really works. I think that it's a really preposterous concept, if you like, on paper. But for some reason, I just think it really works. And because everything's so bleak at the moment, um, like in terms of the news and everything, I just I, I really relish this. Yeah. I mean, it is a treat, isn't it? Yeah, and, uh, yeah she, Charity Wayfield is fantastic. I, I have always loved Rosie Perez for going back to Do the Right Thing, you know, fantastic Spike Lee film. Um, and it's, there's, it's a great kind of buddy-buddy thing. And I mm. think a large part of the inspiration is Midnight Run, one of the greatest films of all time, Kay. Charles Grodin and Robert De Niro. John, are you with me? I haven't seen it. Oh, How terrible is right. that? Listen, I haven't seen it either. Okay, so the first thing you've got to do when you go home tonight <laughs> is crank up your, whatever it is, Netflix, Sky, My iTunes. My VHS. Is it on VHS? Go to, go to DVD shop. Yeah, go, go to... The Blockbuster videos? Could Blockbuster be. Blockbuster yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm writing it down. Well, Midnight Run. Midnight Run. The greatest comedy thriller caper ever made. John's actually writing it down. Robert De Niro, Charles Grodin. Legends. Yeah. It's one. Of, it's it's in my top five favorite films of all time. It's f- absolutely brilliant. And I said when I said because obviously I I, I, I went on set of this uh, Bounty Hunters mm. and I spoke to and I hosted the launch of it as well. In fact, there's nothing. I'm uh, heavily involved. <laughs> oh my god! I'm heavily I involved. Think you're Boyd Whitehall. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I feel I'm an honorary member of the family. <laughs> I don't know whether um, they feel the same way, but you know, um, I'm gonna just go about round up there tonight. To, uh, <laughs> oh my god! Yeah, They're gonna think, get a restraining you, order. Did you watch episode three? Boyd's the main villain of the <laughs> yeah. show. Yeah. I pop up. <laughs> He's always um, sold the antique. So I said, you know, it's a bit Midnight Run, isn't it? And you went, oh, yeah, you know, that's that's a huge, huge honour to be mentioned in the same breath as Midnight yeah, Run. Yeah, so yeah. I think it's definitely like... It's inspired it. Was, was decades ago, so it's not like anyone's, you know, done yeah. much of it. But it's one of my favourite genres, and I love... It's For me, this is like perfect, perfect. It's like catnip for me because it's funny... And yet the plot and the characters are really involving. And there's it's a big ensemble. There's the mad American twins. who they, They're in episode one, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. You don't really know who are kind of weird art dealers. And you see more of them as it goes on. There's going to be a wrestling scene with them, which Jack told me about. It's going to be hilarious. Oh, really? Yeah. And they're played by this one man playing both twins, which is brilliant. Like the, the Winkle Vosses. That's what I thought, yeah. yeah. In um, Social Network. Um, there's just a whole corner, and there's her family who are like obsessed with being Jewish, even though they're Mexican Americans. Oh, yeah. It's really funny, which is partly based. Her own family are a bit obsessed with that. Oh, really? Uh, yeah, yeah. I thought it was just, oh, okay. Yeah. I thought it was plucked so out of nowhere. There's loads of stuff in it that's based v- vaguely on, on kind of elements. It reminded me of Alan Partridge, Alpha Papa a bit. Yes. Yeah, Alpha Papa is a bit like that. Yeah. Alpha Papa is a kind of comedy thriller. Yeah, absolutely. And when it, it's really hard to get right, and I think this this gets it right, I think, because it, it oh, is, because John says, the main thing is it's funny, but the kind of, most of the laughs come from the characters, I think. And so there is slapstick, because with the car. <laughs> And the cast of it's hilarious, but it genuinely comes organically from the characters, and they're they're real and yet they're funny at the same time. I think that's a really really brilliant trick to pull off. Barnaby and the sister are my favourite characters. They are, and and Jack's actual brother is called Barnaby. Oh, yes, good footnote. Yeah, Um, I love it. I'm giving it five stars. I'm giving it four and a half stars. Oh, I'm giving it four. I feel like Mr. Mean Man now. No, no, no. no, no you're four. probably more, you know, you're probably a more mature star giver, I think. Yeah, I feel. absolutely. Yeah. Now I get giddy about these kind of things. Bounty Hunters is on Sky One and Now TV from next Wednesday, the 25th of October, 10 of the PM. Don't miss it. Don't. Watch it. <laughs> 
Now we're moving on to Gunpowder, which is the new three-part historical drama. As Steph would like to remind you, a sharp contrast. It's a semi-sharp contrast, yeah. I mean, there is a lot of more violence and bloodletting than there is even in Bounty Hunters. And it's co-created by Kit Harrington of Game of Thrones fame, along with lots of other people. But it was his idea. So Kit Harrington, extraordinarily, he's related to Robert Catesby, who was part of the gunpowder plot with Guy Fawkes. What yeah. are the chances of that? I know. It's like it's incredible. Yeah. Has anyone checked that out? I'm not saying he's lying, but it seems Are you accusing I'm not. Harrington? But you know you get those home DNA t- test kits. I mean, have we have we I didn't, I didn't test on that, but okay. I did. I'm glad you've heard that up, Kay, because yeah. I did interview him. As I said, on the day before it was announced, he was engaged to be married. We didn't talk about that. <laughs> and he chatted a little bit about this show and how, what it was like being he's the producer of it as well and co-creator and the star of it and a few other stuff as well. And this is what he told me. As the creator, co-creator and executive producer, did, were you very hands-on? Though? Did you get involved in casting and all of those kind of decisions and who to make, who'd be the director, all those kind of things? Absolutely, yeah, right from work go. Um, it was me and my friend Dan, Dan West, who um, who pitched this to to Kudos and other and other companies, and it was Kudos that we really wanted to work with, and a, specifically a um, a producer called Ollie Madden, who I'd worked with before. Uh, and right from work go, like we, you know, we then started looking at writers, and Ronan Bennett came up as a name, and that was brilliant to us, and we went and spoke to Ronan and. You know, I wouldn't say we selected Ronan. <laughs> like we we decided to work together on it. Um, but from there, yeah, we we were involved in in looking at you know who the director might be, and and we we were involved in the casting, and you know, and kept in kept in the loop and, and had to, and made decisions all the way. Um, and 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 pretty much we've we've you know first time we've produced anything, so we we took. Ollie's advice, Ronan's advice, or other producers' advice a lot during this. We didn't try and stamp our authority on it like American showrunners or something. That's not what we wanted to do. But we were there to learn, and we learned a lot. Can you talk about the costing of Liv Tyler in particular? That's quite an unusual choice. I think quite kind of quite surprising to see her in this very British historical drama. How how did you come about casting her? Do you know what? it's just a complete stroke of luck that we got Liv Tyler? I think that we you know if if I thought. I could ever approach her, and she might say yes. I would have, but you know, I thought we 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 wanted the right person for this role, and then out of the blue, Liv Tyler came to us and said, "Look, I've you know been past the script, and I think it's really really good, and I'd love to, I'd love to be involved in it." And we said, "Yes, please." Um, and knowing she could do a very very good English accent, um, and she was yeah an interesting choice, I think, for it, but also. Uh, a, a really, really a good, a good choice. She's, she's fantastic in it. This does feel like a, another example of a peak, powerful, big budget, looks incredible TV drama. Obviously, Game mm. of Thrones is perhaps the ultimate example of that. Did you always want it to be made for television? Did you think, oh, this could be a film or two? Or was it, do you think, no, this is going to be like a big three-part, three-hour TV thing? Always we wanted it to be TV. I, I have come from a very specific and privileged position of being in a TV show which which was right at the forefront of changing TV. Um, and I think we saw, you know, we wanted to be in on that. You know, I think long-form drama is the most exciting drama to make right now and, and it's all that I'm really interested in right now. Um, I, I have loved my time in, in the TV show I'm in and it has informed 
how I want to make TV and, and watch TV. And uh, yeah, I, 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 I don't see myself producing a film just yet. Maybe one day, I, you know, I'm a huge film lover. And do you have some favourite stuff that you watch, the deep, those kind of deep dive TV shows? Do you watch, is there stuff on Netflix, Amazon Prime or BBC or whatever mm-hmm. that, you, is it, that you find the kind of the most satisfying stuff to watch? Yeah, I mean, I just, I just, like most people, I just watch The Handmaid's Tale. I mean, astonishing, performance-wise, the way it was directed, the way it was produced, the way it was put together. I mean, I, it, you, you get... Uh, there's so much TV out there at the moment, but one of them will always grab people's attention, and that, that grabbed mine. And I watched the first episode of Ozark the other day. That, that was, I thought, brilliantly done. Very Breaking Bad-esque, you know. Uh, I, I... Yeah, but I think the BBC is, is, is really at the, right at the forefront of, of great drama at the moment and experimental drama and I, I think it needs to keep pushing that way and I hope that ours is is in there with with those others competing of being you know competing on a on a on a global stage are you, are you proud of the fact in that scene in in the last series with Daenerys that the whole focus was on your posterior and became a massive yeah. phenomenon no I just wanted to get my ass out on TV <laughs> no I I know I I just you know it's always when you do a nude scene, you're always going to get get a bit of, you know, wolf whistling or whatever. Well, hopefully you get that. <laughs> <laughs> you hope you get the wolf whistling. Uh, no, but I'd, I'd rather people think that I'm more than just my arse. So that was Kit Harrington talking about Gunpowder K, the new three-pop drama coming up on BBC next Saturday. And I want to say bravo for asking the important questions, like uh, what about his bum? Yeah. Well I done mean, for going there. Thanks very much. Yeah, you know, I am very. I, I asked the important, real. deeply thematic questions of our time, and I asked about his arse. Yeah, he, like did, you know, yeah, and it was one of those moments where you think, should I go there? You know, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of. I'll just always go there. If in oh, doubt, always. Really? Go. Oh, yeah. sometimes I think if in doubt, you know, maybe try and hold no, back I and maintain dignity. <laughs> but I didn't maintain any dignity. But you see, there was a wry smile. I mean, he I don't know if it. you could hear the smile. He that. was engaged, secretly engaged, and yeah. happy. I think he's proud of his butt, definitely. Um, but so Gunpowder, um, it, it is a recreation of the Gunpowder plot. And in the first part, you kind of establishes the characters. Uh, Liv Tyler is there, who's Catesby's cousin. And though these are all pe- pe- generally drawn from history, these people. Mark Gates's character, who is the spy master for the king, Robert Cecil. We meet him. And it does, and it is quite kind of, it's quite bold and uncompromisingly grim, isn't it? There's hung, hanging and drawing and quartering, Kay. And I know you're a little bit, you're not really at home to the violence. But shall I start with John? John, what was your feeling about this this uh, recreation of the gunpowder plot? I'm going to lay my cards on the table Do here. it, John, do it. Uh, no, no, this is more about me than about the show. Okay. I don't think I've ever watched an entire historic drama of this ilk. Wow. Oh. How interesting. And I think I might be slightly averse to them. Really? Personally. Why is that? Tell us why so. I don't know. It just didn't, you know, hit me. And I don't know whether that's just because this is the genre that just doesn't work for me. But I don't think it's that I don't think it's gunpowder's fault. I think I'm to blame here, Boyd. Are you? Yeah. So a bit like Steph, it's good that you're kind of standing in for Steph this week, because Steph has these slightly irrational things she doesn't like for no no particularly good reason. And you you you're unveiling a similar one. But I did like the opening credits, they look nice. Yeah, the credits are good. <laughs> Lovely credits. I'm yeah. a big fan of a good credit. Oh yeah. Um, and opening credits are better than ever, aren't they? Because it's a big thing. Like, you know, shows like huge. Westworld, um, I'm thinking, has that incredible one, you know, with all, where they show the intricate, all the different things being created. You know, with the piano, can you think of that? No. <laughs> Did you ever watch Westworld? No. no? Oh. 
Anyway, I, I, honestly, uh, the opening credits. I were promise, incredible. I've seen some things. Yeah, I quite like the opening credits for Liar. I think were quite good. Uh, yeah, Liar, pretty fair. good. Yeah. yeah, it's a thing. It's, it's a definitely thing, a thing. Yeah. You have a good opening credit. Um, for me, the bridge. Uh, yes, Swedish Danish has amazing. Yeah, very good. Credits. Yeah, Night Manager. Um, I think the one that started the uh, the the trend of all the big uh, showy intros was True Detective. Yes, correct. With the HBO um, Sky Atlantic show with uh, Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. Uh, which is coming back for a third series, interestingly, I, I do believe. With uh, Mash- Mashala yes, Ali. Ali. Yes, Ali. He's amazing. He's, He's amazing. brilliant. Um, yeah, you're right. That did start the trend for opening title sequence. So maybe we'll do a whole opening title sequence. Uh, that should, should have been a question at some <laughs> point. <laughs> oh, well, oh, yeah, you're right. I might, do a, I might do a Steph now and just slightly U-turn on my... You know, initially cold yeah, uh, reaction towards it. What did you like about um, it? I really liked the cast. The cast yeah. is great. Um, particularly, this is—he's not—he's not one of the the biggest members of the cast. But Sean Dooley, who um, yes, he was, was in he Misfits. Um, he kind of plays this. Uh, it's like a raspy, like guttural henchman. He's the one who do, who does the ha- hanging. Oh, yeah. and he's brilliant. He's, he's very good at playing yeah. horrible people. Uh, Mark Gatiss is brilliant. Um, yeah. Uh, the priest is played by this. This is this is also going into some Steph unreasonable territory. But the priest is played by Peter Mullen, who I last saw in the first series of Top of the Lake, yes. playing a really really horrible guy. So to see him playing a really lovely priest, you I was slightly on edge with him. Mm. Oh, that's fair enough. Yeah, I guess but that's a reflection of how great he was in Top of the Lake. I guess. No, no, yeah, hold I it so. against. Sorry, him. sorry. Yeah, the, the incredible is the cross Tom Cullen's in it as as, um, as Guy Fawkes. Tom Cullen off of one of my favourite shows, The Five, which was on Sky. Also Downton Abbey, I believe. Downton Abbey, of course. Edward Holcroft. Do you know what he was in London no. Spy? He was the hot guy in London Spy. Oh. Yeah, the, 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 the um, thing he fell in love with, Ben Wishaw fell in love with. Um, Kay, so apart from the star-studded, so are you against historical drama as well or are you more open-minded you, and well-adjusted? You know I love a historical drama, right? I do love historical dramas. Um, so I like this, like, it's the opening is very, like, it's super, super tense. So basically the, yeah. the premise is obviously James I, Scottish King's in um, power, he's reigning, yes. and um, he, like... As a Protestant, he hates all the Catholics and all his henchmen are like rounding up all the Catholic priests. And the first scene is um, his men basically searching this house, Kit Harrington's house, for some priests mm. who are actually hidden, hidden inside. And it was such a, it, I think it lasts for about six minutes, but I don't know about you guys. I just found it so super tense. It was so well done because you're just thinking, obviously, you don't want them to be found. And it's like, will they, won't they? So I thought that was great. Um, the opening is. Uh Reminiscent of uh, the opening of Inglorious Bastards. Yes, so right. That. Yes, Inglorious Bastards, the Quentin Tarantino film, where they're trying to find the Nazis are trying to find the Jews. In the, yeah, it's very similar. Exactly. Horrendous. And I do think part of the part of the reason why um, this feels kind of relevant and contemporary is because persecuting religious minorities feels mm. like a very relevant thing that never goes away. Carry yeah, on. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I thought that was all great, and as you say, the, um, the cast is fantastic. I just, as you said, I'm like, I don't do violence so much right and i found actually you're not a violent person oh no i'm a violent person oh yeah i just don't but like you don't, to watch you it. don't want to watch it yeah <laughs> no. no you yeah. hit me on a regular regular oh, God, yeah. Yeah. we sit next to each other yeah, yeah. and you're constantly attacking Elbowing me you. knifing yeah. me <laughs> beating me up for the record boys joking um sort of um so um yeah but i just found you don't this... like watching violence on screen no i don't and i think this is the most violent thing i've had to watch for the podcast oh actually. really yeah i like because it's realistic, yeah. It's we've watched so some violent realistic. shows like that. Was yeah, the, American. Um, for example, you were right. worried about me for American Gods, yeah. um, uh, Blood Drive. Yes, but they were like 
very cartoonish, theatri- yes. cartoonish this theatrical. Is, yeah. This was very, very real, yes. based in fact. Yes. And obviously in our history lessons, we've learned, you know, I knew about on the rack and stuff like this. But actually seeing someone being hung, drawn and quartered was so gruesome. And there was even like a new kind of form of torture that I didn't even know was a thing, which I won't spoil. I mean, it's, <laughs> I won't spoil for your enjoyment, Spoiling listeners. Spoiling the torture. But um, it was just like really grotesque and horrible. Mm. I mean, it was beautifully shot, actually, ironically. And there was a nice aerial shot of it, which was like, I don't know if you thought so. Yeah, it's brilliantly directed. It was, yeah. re- it was yeah. really um, a great shot. But I found it almost too gruesome for me. Um, and I know like the opening episode is there to set the scene and everything. But I found it very, very slow. Did you? Yeah, oh, I did. I mean, obviously, once you got over the thrill of like yeah. whether they're going to find the priest yeah. and all that gruesome torture scenes, which is at the first half. Yeah. And then the second half is just setting the scenes of obviously like, you know, Kit Harrington's character being really angry at like the, his, the persecution of his family. And then after that, it's just it's, it's too slow for me. Mm, interesting. Um, I know what you mean. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah, because it starts off very it, it starts off at a brilliant point, which is that that. Inglorious Bastards esque scene of trying to f- of finding the the Catholics in this house that are being hidden, and then you go on to effectively hang without spoiler. No, it's not really a spoiler. The hanging, drawing, quartering violence, yeah. which is shocking, and um, it is stunning. I thought that was really. I thought that was brilliant because it is. Re- I, I found it. You know, I don't mind violence. So bring it on. Bring it on screen violence. Mm. Love it. Yeah, can't Loves get enough. It. Of it lives for it. But even <laughs> I was shocked. I was like, oh my god, that's really. I found it completely. Yeah, shocking. because it's so well done. It's so realistic. And they don't like. It's not like you know. With you, with other dramas where they they hint at it or they show a little bit and then they pan away. Yeah, it's like this is like you're going to see everything. Right. Yeah, that's right. So then, from then on, in the second half, I guess of the opening episode, it is more about just kind of. There's a lot of other yeah, and there's a lot of other characters to introduce. They introduce the other the persecutors and Mark Gates's character and yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And it has to establish why. The gunpowder plot. People are going to kind of gathering, gathering their forces, and why you know they, they feel they have to resort to these extreme measures. Yeah, I, I think, think the they sec- just needed to tighten it okay, up a bit. That's because, um, I wasn't ever bored though, and, and I was fascinated. Unlike, see, unlike John, I, I really like historical, especially when it's when it's like this and it feels authentic, very well done. And no point. Sometimes I, I feel with historical dramas, they annoy me when it's clearly. Um, slightly cheesy and, and the way they're going about telling a story that we all know is very obvious. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. it's like, I mean, they, they just hit on various obvious points about... You know, no, I don't could, know what you mean. Well, this, for example, I'll tell you what, the, mm. the key to this for me is, so it's gunpowder, it's the gunpowder plot, it could have all been about Guy Fawkes. Yes. And then I would have felt, oh, you know, I, I, it, but whereas this focuses okay. on Catesby, who's a less... Fa- I didn't even know, you know, vaguely had heard of him. But it doesn't deal with the obvious, and I think that's the great thing. So for me, a historical drama that tackles a, a very famous incident that we all know about from a slightly different angle is the key, and I think that's the clever thing about this. See, and the funny thing is, I think actually they needed to bring Guy Fawkes in it a bit sooner. Oh. To like, yeah. You wanted to see more of Fawkes? Well, I just wanted... To, I just think, like... You know, what was it, three episodes? Yeah. And the first ever episode's just very much like setting the scene and he only comes in towards the end and actually, yeah. Yeah, okay. For Falk's sake, you wanted him to come in <laughs> yeah, earlier. Absolutely. Sorry. Sorry. Just a quick question. Yeah. Was James the first gay? Oh, yeah, they imply that. So interesting, that was a very good point. You see, so that I thought was interesting because he's quite, he's quite, there's a guy in it's it who's camp. his courtier yeah. who he's holding on to physically and there's a flirtation between the yeah. two of them and it's implying that maybe they're having, there's something gay going on between them. So I looked that up because I didn't know. Yeah, I, me too. And now so it's like trending. And, and stuff. If you, but if you do look it up, it's like there's historical debate about it. Mm. People do um, people do say that he might have been gay and he might have slept with some of his 
handsome male courtiers, yeah. Fair enough, they were handsome. So again, that's another reason why, surely, John, another reason why historical drama is so good. Gay King, John, Gay King. Yeah, King, gay King James oh, the first. I feel like I'm team anti-history. I'm not. You're so not. anti-history. I, I really loved the ending, by the way, and I would actually be more on Boyd's side in terms of uh, the reveal of Guy Fawkes and stuff. I quite like the fact they held off on that. Thanks, mate. Makes yeah. for a great ending. We should say, before we give it a, a, a mark out of five, that mm. what they're doing with this is, they are so episode one is on next Saturday on the BBC One at 9.10pm, and as soon as it finishes, you can watch the rest of it on the iPlayer in box set style. They're all doing it They're all doing it. They're all doing it. What happened to some, like, just weekly weekly episodes just being it's transmitted? Gone. It's over. Oh. Yeah. It's the new format of television. Anyway, I'm going to give it a very, very solid four stars. Can I ask you, did you say this is on Bonfire Night, or is it? No, it's on next Saturday, which is the 21st of October, but it's three parts, so the second part is going to be the 28th, and the third part is going to be roughly around Bonfire oh, Night. See smart. what they're doing? Yeah, yeah, they know what they're doing, good. these people. Good, yeah. good, good. I mean, you could, since it's all going to be on iPlayer, you could savour it and watch it on Bonfire Night if you want, or you could go out and have With fun. some toasted marshmallows, yeah. watching the hanging drawing quality. Yeah. Mm. Four stars from me, John? Uh, four stars from me. It's a three for me. Oh, Mm. Fair enough, Kay. Bit too gruesome. Oh, yeah, the gruesomeness and the slowness. In sharp contrast, <laughs> as I like to say, the end of the effing world, or as some of my people might call it, the end of the fucking world. Because that's what it's <gasps> Language like. Language, I know. Beep. Yeah. <laughs> it starts on Channel 4 next Tuesday, the 24th of October, 24th of October at 10.20pm. And can you believe it? I know this feels like I'm saying this repeatedly. It's also going to be available in one go oh, that night. Let's on just take four. it as given. From now on. <laughs> everything, I all episodes wanna, of everything. I only want you to alert me if something's going to be like on a weekly basis. It's just... Okay, yeah, yeah. fair enough. Um, I will quickly describe... So this is an intriguing... It's, the, it's a darkly comic road trip about two young, confused teenage outsiders. It's a bit, you know, like Heather's... There's a Heather's-esque... You are indie teen mm. feel to it, I think. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the main characters are James, played by Alex Lowther, who was in a brilliant episode of Black Mirror, and Elisa, played by Jessica Barden, who was in The Lobster, that excellent film, and she was in Penny Dreadful, um, that excellent TV series. Mm. So you kind of recognise them. And it starts off establishing they are outsiders at school, and they're kind of drawn to each other. She's more drawn to him. And um, it's adapted by a series of comic books, by the way, by someone called Charles Forsman. And this is written by Charlie Cavell. And it's kind of an eight part. And each episode is about 20, 25 minutes. So they're it's quite short, short chunks. Yeah. It's not like uh, even half hour or hour long thing. Um, so it's kind of in di- digestible chunks. They're drawn to each other as outsiders. But it turns she's kind of into him. She's this kind of sees herself as some kind of like loose cannon figure. Well, I know what you're going to say. I think like, Kay's, no, no, no. This Kay's face is like... No, I was going to describe oh, her. No, I was oh, just going to okay. say she's oh, like an say. angsty, yes. angry teenager. Yeah. Um, like, you know, I think she's marginalised. She or trying, she's doing it herself. She's isolating. She so. is teenage angst writ large. Yeah. Yes. And he is this even more... Outside. In one of the first scenes we see him, when he looks back to his childhood, he puts his hand into a deep fat fryer. Mm. And which leaves his hand scarred for life. He's a silly boy. He's a he's a maverick. <laughs> he's a loose cannon, possibly a psychopath. Well, he probably is a psychopath because his he what he wants to do is kill her. Mm. And so we got these what we see in his mind. I think that is a sign of being a psychopath. I think that is. I think you're right. <laughs> I, think, I don't think there's any question of the psychopath. I, know, I don't know like, why even. Why is there any doubt in and, your mind? And it's not a spoiler alert because it's established within the first five minutes that he wants to kill her. Mm. I think pretty much as far as I can remember. I've watched the first couple of episodes. So it's an intriguing, bold thing, isn't it? John, what was your feeling about the end? And I guess the title, The End of the Effing World, is some kind of suggestion of how bold, where it, that it's being trying to be edgy and all of that. Did you, did you like the edginess of it, or did, what, what was your feeling? 
I'm not sure. And I know that's terrible to say when we're supposed no. to be reviewing this. Um, but you could definitely tell that it was adapted from a comic, but there's definitely that like kind of edge to it. And, yeah. Um, and like you say about the kind of the American kind of teenage style, I think the use of the soundtrack and music is great. Um, they do they do this trick a couple times where you think it's um, soundtrack, but then it turns out it's what uh, the main character is listening to in his headphones. And I like the kind of little touches like that. It's very, it's the, out of everything I think we've watched this week, it's the one that's probably directed in the most interesting way. Yeah. There's a, a moment where he discusses uh, animals that he's killed for his life and and it and it's visualized by them all appearing on the screen as he says yeah, I love the that numbers bit. and it's gr- so visually it looks really great and yeah. the two main cast members i i swear they're two people that in previous things i've watched and thought they they're going to do good both yeah. of them i've yeah. seen them in other things and thought they're really great so it's i feel like a broken record saying great cast but it's really the the is there's only in the first episode there's probably only 3 people yeah, we see, see her mum, don't we, briefly, and her and her mum's boyfriend, played or, yeah. by Nevin Chowdhury, who's always great from Teachers of Teachers mm. fame. Yeah, but yeah, there aren't many. No, you're right. Yeah, we see a few more in episode two. Um, yeah, I I think I I, I, I can't, I'm looking forward to watching the rest of it. That's for sure. And I'm not sure whether I struggled with because with something like this, as we've described, uh, she's you know the like definition of a teenager acting out. Yes. and he is essentially a psychopath so it's kind of, there's there's not an obvious in as characters go there's not a yeah. sympathetic character right that's the key point that's the big question isn't it so i'm not because i'm not one of those people who ever insists uh, that people have to, you have to like characters have i discussed this before okay no. okay raise their eyes <laughs> to the heavens no because you and steph no steph very much feels like that and i know you agree with her and i'm that person who often quite like i like to like at least one of the characters because yeah. if i ha- if i just can't relate or hate both all of them it's like I just feel like, what is the point of watching it? Right. Well, look, I can't you're, you're, to by it. no means are you rare. I mean, that's a very common. I would say probably the majority of people watching things like to have some, some kind of way, relatable, have some kind yeah. of grasp of right. like you know something they're going through. So that's the big question about this, isn't it? For me, this is taking like the risk mm. deliberately, unapologetically, and perhaps celebratorily, if that even a word. Going, what can we create this thing? And I, I'd love to have a look at the comic because I'm sure that must have been a driving force of the original um, comic book. But it feels to me like it's almost like a challenge. Can we create this thing about two extremely dislikable characters? There's a line in episode two, I don't know if you had time to watch episode two, where he says about her, she did her best to annoy everyone. And I feel mm. she's one of the most annoying characters yeah. I've seen in years. She's so annoying that even mine. But brilliantly annoying. Yeah, oh, she's fantastic like, performance. She's brilliantly yeah. annoying. Annoyingness, like I thought, God, you are you are horrible, horrible girl. But but so obviously, like masking, you know. And in the second episode, you kind of touched upon that. You know, she's really like upset about stuff, and she's so clearly acting out. But she. But I wasn't sure at one point whether I could stand her. I I was I was thinking I'm not sure if I can carry on watching this. Mm. Like because John, you've said that you're going to carry on watching it. At the end of episode two, I was like, I don't know because she's so. I mean, it's a brilliant performance, but they've really done a good job in making her extraordinarily annoying. But you're 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 coping with that. Okay, so (laughs) here's the thing, right? When we had to watch this, I watched it, and what I didn't realize, I'd watched episode two. Right, oh. I thought it was the first one. That's good. So I was like, "God, this is Maverick." The way it starts, like, there's no context to it. You know, Imagine. they don't even you don't even know how old the characters are, and it's you're told in a really oblique way. And I was like, "But I just went with it," and I was exactly like John. I watched the I, like it was halfway through, and I was like, 
I don't know how I feel about this. Like, what if I like it or if I don't like it? And uh, but John, at least I think you watched episode one first before episode no, I know. two. But listen, no, this this is the thing though. But by the end of the second episode, I was like, I really, I really do like this, and I really do like these characters um, because I know neither of them are likable. And my thing is usually like I need to yeah. like at least two percent of a character. Yeah. Um, but a very specific two percent. Just two percent. So ninety-eight percent not liking them is okay. Just at least two percent. Oh, yeah, no, it's got to be some liking in Just some checking. way. They've got to be in some way okay. relatable to yeah. me. Um, but I, yeah, so the second episode, and then I went back and because Boyd <laughs> put me straight, he's like, "No, you need to watch the first episode. You haven't done that, you idiot." Um, so I watched the first episode, and I actually didn't think the first episode was as good as the second episode. Mm. And I think the second second episode, I feel like she becomes. Not, it's not more likable because she is obviously such a horrendous... You see her vulnerability in second You do, and yeah. so you do want yeah. her a bit. And yeah. even with him, I found myself liking him a little bit. I mean, obviously mm. he's a sociopath, psychopath. Um, but I, I just really warmed to both those characters and mm. I really wanted to see how the story ended. No. Um, but I've got to say, like him, Alex, is it Lawther? Yes. I think he is excellent. Yeah, he's great. There's something about him, right? He, When you look at him, I don't know if it's the way he's, if he's like this in real life or whatever, but he's just like... He gives the impression of being a 40-year-old, like much, yeah. much, oh God, much yeah. older than his years. Yes. I don't know how he's doing that, but he, he reminds me almost of Ben Wishaw. Yeah, like there's a Wishaw in quality to Yeah, him. he's yeah. got this... Wishaw-esque. Yeah, I'd be really interested in what he does next because he's, he's really fantastic and she's great too. Um, he reminds so. me a little bit, he sounds a little bit... You know John... This is a very old reference. You know John Hegley, the performance artist, poet, comic... He we're was both too God, young for that, boys. So young. Both too, we're just embryos. If you're over uh, 45... <laughs> <laughs> um, you probably remember John Hegley. He sounds like Alex Lawther in the show. Carry on. Yes. Yeah, no, I thought... So. And, um, yeah, so I'd say, like, if you're not into... If, listeners, if you're listening to f- uh, watch the first episode and you're not quite feeling it, like, oh, no, that's not for me, just give that second episode a chance because, yeah. as I said, I was really drawn to it after... The it's so funny that it. you watched that second episode first and you still enjoyed it without realising it wasn't the first episode because I, I, w- I went to a Q&A recently of something. I can't even remember what it was. It might even have been um, the Guillermo del Toro film. There was something I went to see and the writer, the person being interviewed said, that if you've got any, someone was asking, if you've got any tips about writing a series, writing a, a film or a TV series, and they, what they said was... Um, write it and throw out your first act. Mm. Just throw it out completely and start in the middle of the story and it's always better. And well, I, I did that. Yeah, you literally I, did it. I, so I, you, they I could I have cut out the first episode, yeah. it would have been fine. And actually, it stands alone. So, right. uh, yeah, and so yeah. this is what I'm saying. Like, uh, and actually better than uh, the first yeah. episode, I think. So, yeah. And also, in the second episode, the music, the soundtrack is brilliant. Yes. I just good. think it plays such a big part, a bit like the A word and how the music was such a, you know, like a big part of the show. In this as well, it's just, it Absolutely. feels very cool. Yeah, um, it is a very cool thing. Mm. I, I mean, I, I'm, 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 I'm pleased that you both liked it. I feel it's definitely, it's exactly what Channel 4 should be doing, is my bottom line. I'm, I'm, you know, it's like, the, it's a new, I think, fairly new writer. It's a fair, you know, it's a kind of edgy comic book that it comes from. It's got brilliant young cast. Uh, as I said, you know, I almost found it the characters too annoying for me, but I'm going to carry on watching it. Definitely. Yeah, it's bold. How many stars are you going to give it, Kay? The end of the effing world. I'm giving it four stars. John? Three and a half. I think I might go three and a half as well. Yeah. Oh, no. No, I'm going to carry on. Right, after you watch the second episode, come back and tell me if you go up to four. Anyway, it's on. So Channel 4 is showing episode one next Tuesday, 24th of October, 10.20pm, and then you can watch the whole rest of it on the all4.com. I think that's what it is. All4, their Channel 4's website, basically where they stream stuff. Now then, you know, it's that time. What, so what, normally, I'd say it's that time and Steph and Kay would sing, would say, it's question time. I don't know what's going on this one. Okay. It's that time. It's question time. I did like X Factor Man. Oh. Yeah. Okay. I thought I can't do it how me and Steph did because it doesn't feel real. So do feel you good. X Factor Man again? 
<laughs> it's question time. Nah. No. Uh, no okay, like guys, thanks. It's thanks just like you're me up for a fall no, there. No, 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 it's okay. more, it's question time. Oh, you're good. Oh, yeah, that was John good. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, John should do it, yeah. Oh, <laughs> damn it. I did it. Yeah, okay, fine. Three times, it's question time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What good. time is it? <laughs> I'm trying to think of the name of one of the classic X Factor acts that he... Yes. Rachel Adadeji. Yes, Rachel Adadeji. Was that her name? Yeah, it was. Yeah. Frankie Kokosa. Oh, yeah, <laughs> you're, really, you're like a Peter Dickinson. Um, in per- Peter like, Dickinson. Yeah, that's, that's his actual name. name. Yeah. Peter Dickinson. Peter Dickinson. I bet you he makes a lot of money. I think if of I could... He does. I could he came into the office one time, oh, right? Yeah. And um, he wouldn't. We wouldn't let him leave for about half an hour because everyone kept on asking him, like, "Can you just do my voicemail recording? Can you just leave a message?" He loved it. He, he gets lapped that it up a lot. Yeah. There was one series, I think, believe, where they tried to ditch him. Do you remember? Big they mistake. did a big like, "We're going to change everything. We're going to change it all up. We're going to get rid of everything." And I mean, ridiculous. Obviously, That's he was back. Stupid. That yeah, is I mean, as stupid as getting rid of Dermot. It lasted like, about a week. I yeah. think he was back. Thank God. All hell, Peter Dickinson. Anyway, this week's actual question is. Inspired by gunpowder and John's love of historical drama <laughs> is what is your favourite historical drama ever on television or film? It can be. I'm going like a greyhound out the traps. So I'm going first and yes. I'm saying Blackadder. Oh, brilliant. Yes. Except it's not a drama. Well, there's a dramatic, there's lots okay. of drama in it. All Let's right. Let's not forget the last scene. Okay. The last episode, Boy Doe. I'll allow it. And um, it was fantastic. Well, it was brilliant. I mean, what more can you say about it? I loved, I loved particularly Baldrick. You've said enough. Yeah, I've said enough. Good good choice. John, can you find... So in your <coughs> lifelong loathing of this genre, <laughs> have you managed to find one thing that you did like enough to hail as your favourite one? I've got like a bedroom sign that's like one of those no entry signs <laughs> that says historical drama. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to have to go over technicality on this one. Oh. So historical, yeah. so it happened in the past. Yeah. Drama. Yeah. Oh God, it's going to be something like it's a year old or something. The People versus AJ Simpson. Oh, I love it. <laughs> Round of no, applause. don't clap yeah, that. No, I think I'm that's sorry. Great. I'm when, impressed. No, yeah. when, uh, when it is. When no. I try and do pull a sw- <laughs> swift one, and I try and do that like this, I get called out by you and Steph. I'm told I'm like stupid. How can I not understand the question? No, I'm loving it. Yeah. Oh, Golden Boy John. Yeah, <laughs> Golden Boy John's come up trumps. Oh yeah. God. No, it was brilliant. Yeah. It yeah. was brilliant. I'm just saying it's, it's not history. necessarily his- okay, modern right. history. Yeah. Right. Furious. Wow. Well, I just don't think we're playing by the f- same rules. <laughs> it's a drama. It's not a comedy. Oh, does oh. that mean mine was closer? Pod, <laughs> pod pole. I, yeah, what was pod closer? Pole, yeah, what's closer? Oh, my one's my choice is going to annoy you probably as well. Go on then. What is it? It's further back. Mad Men. Oh. Mad Men. Oh, this is not a story. Yes, it is. It's oh, a, you it's, do you know what? A... You two are ridiculous human beings. I need. To, do you know what? This is a shout out, Steph. I need you to come back. Everything goes to shit when you're not here. Bloody hell. Yeah. Um, well, Mad Men, which traces, of course, the development of advertising <laughs> in Madison Avenue through the 60s, and it ends pretty much in the beginning of the 70s. And Check touches it out in the history books, guys. Ch- touches constantly, <laughs> thank you very much, Kate, on actual historical events like the moon landing and Nixon and the Vietnam War. So, yeah. just deal with it, Kay. It's right. a historical drama, all right? No, and it's one of the greatest things ever. Guys, you two are completely guys. right, and I'm wrong. <laughs> I think in a poll of like top historical dramas ever, none of our three would ever make <laughs> it in maybe, the top ten. Maybe not. Maybe that's true. Okay, okay fine. Anyway, it's been a joy. Thanks so much, John, for um, John, thanks. for being a great guest. Thank you very much for having me. I'll be moving you're down not, one seat. From you're there not too. Steph Seelan, but you know, I think you've it, you've shown that you have your own maverick opinions, like Steph. Very, yeah, very your like, own irrational yeah. thoughts. Um, <laughs> so we'll be back next week. So it's a goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me. <laughs>